the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. We're going to have plenty of athletic coverage today. Let's just put it that way. We have Mark Cabali, the senior NFL writer covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been there for almost ever, from almost from the very start. I think he's one of the original athletic writers, especially from the NFL side. So uh, we're going to have him on this show. Obviously, you can check out all of his work at The Athletic and visit theathletic.com slash track. Get yourself 40% off that first year. That is theathletic.com slash track. S-P-O-T-R-A-C for the first year discount on The Athletic coverage. As stated, Mark Caballi from The Athletic will be here soon. Talk Pittsburgh Steelers. What, what an interesting team this is. Tons of notable free agents. Negative cap space as of now. A quarterback with the highest cap hit in the entire league who may be retiring but kind of doesn't want to, but maybe the team wants him to. And now the team's saying, we don't really know what the situation is and we're going to wait. And <laughs> there's going to be a lot of waiting and who knows who's leaving and who's staying and who's coming and who's getting restructured and all those questions. It's just one of those teams that, you know, found their way into the postseason, you know, had a really tough loss to Cleveland, ended poorly. You can tell that's not how Ben wants to finish, nor that kind of regime. But there's a lot of mouths to feed right now. And, you know, Mark's been following it. So really excited to have him on to kind of talk about the nuts and bolts. He's real good with the numbers. So anytime I can find a beat reporter who's who's kind of guide can kind of guide us through the numbers along with me, I'm all for it. So excited for that. Back end of the show, cousin Dan. Nerdy baseball stuff, uh, you know, public service announcement on what to be looking at right now. Not fantasy, not so much fantasy, not so much gambling purposes, just you're psyched for the season. You know, your favorite team is ranked where, you know, your your the pitching rotation looks like this and it's ranked where. What numbers should I be should I be staring at right now to kind of get ready? You know, as we ramp up to how many wins can we have and who's going to win the division and all that good stuff, which we're going to get to. No question in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, I, I, I'm kind of not at a loss, but I feel like there's a few things that have to be working together right now when you start to evaluate Major League Baseball teams. And nobody does that better than Cousin Dan. So we'll, we'll talk to him at the back end of this show real briefly about some of the war stats and the zips projections and things like that that many of us try to look at and, and make, make kind of understanding of as it pertains to the upcoming season. And Dan's got a really good beat, including a couple of teams that maybe – Aren't being talked about enough, but maybe should be. Thrilled to be joined by a senior writer for The Athletic covering the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mark Cabali. Mark, thanks for your time. How long have you been at The Athletic, by the way? Ooh, it's been a while now. I was one of the original The OGs, um, nice. Guys. Yeah, I was <laughs> actually, I think, I think I was like the sixth football guy ever hired there, so... We call ourselves the original six, so I'm pushing four years. <laughs> I didn't mean to date you there, my bad. Uh, good stuff, though. Look, you, you know your stuff. That's why you're here on this show for sure. You're, you swing big into the finances often, and it's a it's a good time to be covering the Steelers in terms of money, right? There's a there's a it's coming in every direction right now in terms of you know Ben and his big cap number, the cap casualties that are definitely coming, the restructures that are definitely coming. And just the the creativity that's it's going to take to keep this team contending. I want to start right there with you. You're inside this team as much as possible. Do they consider themselves contenders heading into 2021? I think that's what they're trying to determine right now, and I think that's why there's a little hesitation of uh, 
making a decision of whether or not to bring Roethlisberger back. I mean, you know as well as I do, if they wanted to create money to bring Roethlisberger back and make the cap hit relatively nothing for at least one year, they could do that. I mean, that's not an issue whatsoever. The question now is why haven't they done it? Uh, I guess they're trying to play the angle. They're seeing what, how the Cavs going to eventually come in and everything else and see if they have to lose players. And if they end up having to lose a ton of players, they have, I believe, 19 uh, unrestricted guys, more, some more important than others. But if they have to lose a handful of those, if they got to lose, uh, you know, a couple cap casualties, they can't go shopping free agency. They're probably thinking, why in the world are we bringing the quarterback back for this? We could use that money, that $19 million that they can save that way. So, like I said, I think if they wanted him, truly wanted him back and thought that they were going to be a 100% contender, which they still could be, this deal would have been done by now. But uh, I guess we're going to have to wait a couple more weeks to see how things pan out and where that money really comes in at before they make their ultimate decision. Yeah, everybody's at a waiting game right now, and it's unfortunate because there's a lot of decisions to be made right now. You know, we're a week away from the franchise tag window opening, things like that. So it's got to be pins and needles for a lot of these front offices that are crunched like Pittsburgh is right now. It, You know, let's say they decide that ripping it down a little bit makes a little bit of sense. Is it all the way down? Because you're right. There, there's a good list of free agents here that could easily just walk. Um, you know, do they then take the next step and and move on from Joe Hayden, not bring in a significant quarterback to try to compete for the next job and kind of build that through the draft? Uh, is that kind of the next progression, or is it going to be maybe a rebuild on the fly more? Uh, it's probably going to be a rebuild on the fly. I really don't anticipate them, you know, ripping it down to bare bones and hoping they get a top three pick next year and get some sort of quarterback, another uh, franchise type of quarterback. But they have to make decisions. I mean, is Joe Hayden worth the $14.5 million this year? They could save, I believe, eight or nine if they uh, make him a cap catcher. He's still playing at a high level. But when you have potential younger guys, cheaper guys behind him, I mean, Cam Sutton, I believe you have his market value right around $7 million. Is he better than Joe Hayden? Potentially. I mean, he's already had four years in the league. You have to make that type of decision. I mean, um, like you said, who are they going to bring back? I don't know. That's hard. I mean, there's only a handful. I mean, we can pretty much wipe off the books, James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Bud Dupree. I don't you know, unless – that cap comes in at about 250, which we know that's not going to happen. I don't know how you even fudge the numbers to get around to signing those guys. Colbert said um, that they don't anticipate using a franchise tag, so even then they wouldn't be able to, to uh, afford it. You have to understand, there's still some young players on this team that are could be cornerstones in this team. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick, he's a guy that's going to be part of the future regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, T.J. Watt, they probably won't get around to doing him until the absolute end, and what that means is probably September, but that's a huge number they're going to somehow account for as well. Um, they're hoping probably that that 17th game comes in next year and maybe get some more TV money to help that offset that, but I can't, you know, I really can't see them going out and finding a, a quarterback rather than being a bargain basement type of guy. If you're going to do that, you might as well just keep Mason Rudolph, so uh, 
sometimes right now. High praise, Mark. <laughs> I mean, uh, what, do you, what would you rather have, Ryan Fitzpatrick right now or Mason Rudolph for a year? You're going – I mean, you're going to want Ryan Fitzpatrick. You might as well just keep Roethlisberger and push $12 million bucks the next year with those voidable years and try to win it this year. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. Yeah, that I agree with. I, I, I Do you think any of this decision-making with Pittsburgh, and this is so unlikely, but I have to ask because you're kind of tight with the team. Is any of this decision-making with Ben about Ben and almost like survival mode for his legacy and, and, and what he's been able to do? Is it about, Hey, we, we really don't think you've got it anymore. And we know you want to go out there and do this and compete and, and try to give it your all. But you know, this isn't a situation where it's going to work for either of us. So we're going to make the decision for you. Is any of that there or, or is this really just business right now? This is a tough one because the Steelers have had history of having, you know, all time greats leaving not very right. well to put it. I mean, you go all the way back to Mike Webster when they told him he couldn't play anymore and he ended up going to Kansas city for a couple of years. I mean, Palomalu just five, six years ago, he was a guy that obviously a hall of fame, fame guy. And they didn't want him anymore, but they made him make the decision. They gave him up until April, which they were afforded to at that point, because there was no money involved here. It wasn't any uh, where you needed that money. They gave him up to April and said, we don't want you back, but we will end up releasing you unless you retire. He ends up retiring. Troy's still no, not in the best graces with the team as well. So I don't think the Steelers want to make that decision. They want Roethlisberger to make that decision. <laughs> now, if they can push him in that direction, maybe that's what they're trying to do here. I am not quite sure. As for Roethlisberger, he wants to come back because he doesn't want his legacy to end sitting on a bench, him crying because yeah. he just got whipped by the Browns in a wild card game in front of no people. So that's why he wants to come back. Plus, he knows – there's a chance of winning the Super Bowl. He he gets into that elite company. Three Super Bowl wins. You got what? Brady, Bradshaw, uh, who am I missing here? Aikman, and Montana. I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. That's that's very important to him as well. So, uh, like I said, I think if it was up to the Steelers, they, if they really didn't want him, I think they would try to do everything to push him to the way of making that decision on his own yeah that's that's a little bit of what how i read what happened today with that report basically we're going to wait to the last minute (laughs) and i saw your couple of your tweets out there basically reflecting you know it's all about waiting right now with this organization because look at you know ben's not an idiot he sees that he's going to lose at least five considerable pieces on the offensive side of the ball right now and you know what there may be replacements right now for them And maybe they get lucky with a couple of draft picks, but that's easier said than done in a one-year span with a cap that's about to drop 15 million. So uh, he knows what's here. Um, you know, I think it's. I think you're right. There's a little bit of pressure going from both directions right now, and the tension's just got to settle. But what a what a weird situation. You know, the Giants handled this terribly with with Eli. You know, I mean, just keeping stringing him along at 19 million when he wasn't even going to be the starting starting quarterback. That's definitely not the right approach. So, you know, there's no chance it gets to that, right? I mean, they're not bringing in a veteran quarterback without or with Ben here, right? No, I wouldn't think so. I think, honestly, first, they don't have any money. Second of all, uh, uh, you, even if you bring a guy in, you're not going to have much of an offseason again yeah. to get him to where he needs to go to be able to perform. At least you have Mason Rudolph in the building for the past three years, and he probably has, I would imagine, 
12, 13 starts. I'm not quite sure off the top of my head. At least he knows what he's doing, even if a new offensive coordinator is taking over in that Canada. So, uh, you know, they even let – I mean, it might not be a big deal, but they even let Duck Hodges go. Yeah. They could have brought him back yeah. for 600000 bucks. But they decided to say, nah, say uh, you can go wherever you want. Josh Dobbs is a free agent. These aren't big-time names now, but at least they have some – experience and Dwayne Haskins I mean it's just you might as well play the lottery with him yeah you have no idea what you're getting with him so not not a terrible buy low though not a terrible buy low because at least there's snaps there you know no absolutely not I mean what's the worst thing gonna happen they 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 lose no money I mean they cut him right before camp I mean where they owe him a couple hundred bucks for working out or whatever the number might be it's not like I don't believe he got it much of any signing bonus i thought if he got anything so i mean and if he shows that he's good you're he's a vet i mean he's a minimum so yeah. 600 or 700 grand is nothing all right two more areas of concern here uh your piece about marquis pouncey was awesome really really interesting uh not just how they can replace him but maybe why he's leaving in the first place why don't you shed some light on that because you're not super convinced yet are you yeah i'm definitely not convinced i was never convinced Ever just because being around the guy for his entire career, the guy eat, eats, drinks, and breathes football. The guy is just a, you know, people tell me he's just like a, a warrior, man. He just wants to play football. It means so much to him. But, you know, last year took a little toll on him with the COVID. He wasn't allowed to be around his family. He usually lives in the North Hills of Pittsburgh and his family's here. That was not possible anymore. Um, plus, you cannot discount how much his brother means to him, Mike Pouncey. And Mike had that hip injury that pretty much did in his career. He's not going to have a guy to work out with. You know, they're so tight. They don't want to, you know, go out together. But, you know, a guy that has football in his blood, it's easy to quit in February. It's easy to quit in March. What about June? What about July? What about September? What about his best buddy if he comes back, Ben Roethlisberger, and calls him? Come September and say, I need you. I really need your pounds. You don't think he's going to come? I mean, plus you get to save four months of his cap hit. So <laughs> then you could probably sign him in a decent amount. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'll tell you one thing. Of, any, of everybody that I've ever saw retire, he's one that I would not be shocked if he comes back this year at some point. I mean, we saw James Harrison do that a couple of years ago, probably more than a couple of years ago now, I'm guessing. 2015 or something like that when they needed him they called him up that's that's the type of love of game Marquise Pouncey has and you know you you loosen up some restrictions on COVID allow to be around the family they don't have to be tested every single moment of every single day as kids come here hey I'm not giving up plus you know they don't have anybody (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's not going to stop nothing that that Pouncey does is going to stop them from taking a center in the top three rounds in my opinion um, nah, they can't. They have to. And speaking of which, you know, the, the mock drafts are flying. It's that time of year. It's tough not to look, even though you try like heck. But, you know, they're, they're going to lose Schuster. I think they have a decent amount of wide receivers in that roster to at least get them through, you know, the, the bulk of free agency. They can kind of probably pick and choose once things settle down a bit uh, and or a, a mid-round draft pick, which they're so primed to do. The running back's a different situation. 
Um, you know, they've got some some bodies they can throw out there right now, but James Conner's not coming back, no matter how many, how much Pittsburgh yeah. fans believe he's going to be the guy. He's not the guy. Uh, there are wow. options, and there's options in the first round of this draft. There's options in the second round of this draft, and there's options on the free agent market. And, you know, we can devalue the running backs as much as we want financially, but they still mean a heck of a lot, especially if Ben Roethlisberger is going to be your quarterback and the deep ball isn't going to be, you know, a prevalent use of your offense. So, uh, look, I, I did a huge piece, a free agent piece today, where I'm trying to pick and choose where these guys are going to end up. Good I'll, luck. Huh? Yeah, no, it's a terrible <laughs> it's a terrible idea. I'm wrong 99% of the time. But I, this is where my head went to because of everything we're, we're talking about today. I, I've got Leonard Fournette up as a Pittsburgh Steeler right now, Mark. Tell me why that's the worst idea in the world. And are you sure you don't live in Pittsburgh? <laughs> because when he came free last year, there was tons of Pittsburgh fans were just clamoring for them to go get Leonard Fournette. And oh, you know, oh, everybody kept saying he's a bad seed. He failed in Jacksonville. He's, he's not worth it. Well, I guess he had the last laugh yes. right there. But you know, you know what it is. It all comes down to money. It's how much is now his value inflated because he does have that Super Bowl. I'm sure I'm sure he'll be one of the top free agent running backs out there. Um, with some of the other guys though. Those are bargain basement guys. I mean after those first two or three or four, whatever it is, I mean you got a lot of million dollar a year, one year guys, I think. I mean look at just last year alone. I mean I believe something like the majority of the guys other than those top couple were million dollar guys. You can find guys there to be able to stop plugging you know, plug in there. They need, they need the run game. Their run game's awful. Yeah. They don't have the running back. Their offensive line is just absolutely in shambles. You know, if they go tackle running back center in the first three rounds, I think Steeler fans around the world will rejoice because that's where they need the most help. And you know, if you, if you seen that in the past, I mean, just let's look at last year again. Even if you go first round, second round for running back, you can get good value right away and instant success. I mean, who are we looking at? We're looking at Jonathan Taylor, mm -hmm. uh, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. These are difference makers in year one with you know, good offensive lines, but not dominant offensive lines. So – why can't the Steelers go that path? And all of a sudden, Roethlisberger looks better. The offense looks better. The defense is not on the field. So I think that's one benefit of bringing Roethlisberger back. You get a new coordinator. You, you get a good running back. You plug in an offensive lineman here or there. Then all of a sudden, your offense looks a lot better. And that 12-4 and four record is attainable once again. And maybe you can run, make a, another run at it. So I think... You know, I think the Steelers have only picked a running back once, or at least once in the first round in the last 20 years. I think it was Mendenhall, which wasn't bad for a short period of time. Running backs are really easy. Everybody wants to point to, well, this guy's in the fifth round, this guy in the seventh round. For every seventh round running back that is good, I can name you 50 of them that stink. That's never even got a shot. Because so, so don't tell me that you can find them anywhere. Yeah, you can find them anywhere. But 99 out of 100 times, they're going to be crap. No question. No, there's no question. And look, the late first round is 
kind of the sweet spot right now or that early second round. So so you're okay with number 24 being a running back if the right guy's there. Is that kind of the sense I I'm getting? Like, honestly, I would like to see him if both Najee Harris and Travis Etienne is there. Who yeah. knows? I mean, it depends on what tra- what what mark you look at. I wouldn't mind them dropping back maybe to 29, pick up an extra fourth or fifth round pick. That's what they need right now. They need influx of youth and talent. I mean, they gave away their fifth round pick last year for Chris Wormley. So I'm sure they would love to move back and try to get a pick if that right guy. I mean, even if it's not a running back, you you got a good sweet spot of decent tackles late in that first round too, where you could uh, move back, get an extra player in the fourth or the fifth round, and then add on to that. They are getting two comp picks too. So mm-hmm. we're likely getting two comp picks. So that will help out as well. So, I mean, I think at this point in time, as we sit here in we, February 17th, 18th, whatever day we're in, I think it's pretty safe to say either running back or tackle for the Steelers in the first round. It seems a lot smarter than Leonard Fournette. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, if Leonard Fournette's going to come here for about two for three, I'm sure they'll welcome him. Look, you're, you're not wrong. I'm looking at the running back list and there's probably four notable, you know, he's probably the fourth name on this list right now. So if I've got Chris Carson, Aaron Jones, maybe Kenyon Drake, right? I mean, just because of what he has been able to do at times, maybe Fournette's fourth on this list in terms of what's available. So that's going to be decent coins still five, 6 million per year minimum. Um, but look, Marlon Mack, right? Marlon Mack, the forgotten superstar running back. He's going to be a $2 million guy, you know? He's a, he's a guy that kept, what, Jonathan Taylor on the bench for the first, yes, well, yes. first week or two or whatever before he got hurt. He was he looked good last two years ago, and he looked good this year, but until he got injured. So, that's, you know, it's another guy, too, a cheap guy that you don't expect much from, maybe coming off an injury. Yep. I mean, I would take Marlon Mack if he, he comes in. And plus, you know, this year – there's going to be a lot of those one-year prove-it deals. <laughs> Not a lot of people are going to have a lot of money to spend. They're going to say, sorry, we got about a million bucks. Take it or leave it or sit out a year. There's no question. So last thing, I'll get you out of here on this. Ben doesn't come back. It's Mason Rudolph and Tyrod Taylor. You've, we've talked about him before as being yes. kind of the, the backup, you know, grandfather quarterback to that roster. And they, they really let the, the main pieces walk. They're going to try to rebuild on the fly. They still have three, you know, key defensive players in Fitzpatrick, in Devin Bush, and in TJ Watt. And whether or not they address those contracts or not is moot right now. But does TJ Watt even consider a contract with this team oh, yeah. if they look I like think, that? I think so. I think, uh, I think absolutely. Because he, he is the face of the franchise and it's not like their defense isn't going to all of a sudden fall off the cliff right there they got a good you know second year guy now and alex highsmith on mm-hmm. the other outside linebacker their defensive line still is really good getting a little bit long in the tooth but still playing well i think they got some potential you know it the cornerbacks behind the two so i think if he gets was he going to get five for 25, 125, my fault. Yeah, <laughs> five that's, or 25, that's it right there. Yeah. He, he should, uh, he should uh, fire me as an agent. If he's getting five for 25, <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't see how he would not come back here. Uh, Cause he's, he's in a position where he knows he's going to succeed. 
So you have to always take that into account too. Maybe he goes somewhere else and he gets a little bit more cash. But first of all, you're going to be in the position to be the defensive MVP of how they use you. They let TJ rush the majority of the time. And uh, I don't know if he would be able to do that everywhere else. So I think there's no doubt that this gets done probably right before the season starts. I don't know when the season starts, but I'm guessing September 10-ish. I could see him signing this deal, no doubt. He's one of the best, one of the OGs for The Athletic. He's at Mark Cabali on Twitter, covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can find him on The Athletic, of course. Mark, thanks for your time. All right, Mike. Today's edition of the Track Podcast is presented by the Online Betting Guide. Are you an NBA expert, knowledgeable in all the numbers, stats, trends, plays, injuries, and more? Prove what you got in free pick'em contests. It's cash prizes, 15 given away every month. Just visit olbg.com right now. Make your picks. Listen to expert handicappers. Learn a little bit about the gambling process. It's about learning. It's about playing. It's about winning cash. Show them what you got today at olbg.com. That's olbg.com. Joined on the OLBG hotline by cousin Dan. Dan, it's not a gambling show. It's not even a how's this season or how's this contract going to go show. This one's just numbers. All right. I, I know you look at more numbers in terms of baseball than I do, maybe than most people do. I, I want to understand as I sit down here and get ready for spring training, which is now officially underway for most of the league, what should I be looking at if I'm sifting through the 47,000 pages on fan graphs or baseball reference or, or some of the more, you know, you know, exclusive subscription services out there right now that can get you prepared, not so much for fantasy, for the real season, real numbers, real projections, real team layouts. You know, if you want to get into win totals and, you know, postseason projections, that's fine. But what are the numbers that matter to you right now as we get ready for this regular season? It's a it's it's a great question, quite honestly. I there's really no one thing um, when you're preparing to kind of look at, but I think probably the biggest metric you're kind kind of going to want to look at is something like um, Baseball Savant website, where it has all the Statcast metrics and um, hard hit rates, spin rates, pitcher for pitchers, all all of that kind of stuff. So there, I, I don't really. It's really hard to package it up as one number and it depends on what you're looking at if you're looking at pitchers hitters how, how you how you're specifically trying to dig into your to your analysis so that, that's kind of a layered question yeah no question I, I mean the easy one to look at is just a war ranking you know a war projection things like that but one of the reasons i had you on here is i'm starting to do that i'm going down that rabbit hole and you know two of the players in the top 25 of fangrass projected war are in terms of pitching which is all that matters, let's be honest, is Luis Severino and Noah Syndergaard. And my mind's exploding. Chris Sale, by the way, is fifth. <laughs> These are players who are not going to play baseball for a, a, a decent amount of time here. Am I incorrect? I mean, Syndergaard and Severino are like late summer. I'm, that's like August, September, right? Right, right. Yep. So, so how can they be notable war uh, accumulators in, in a top 25 ranking in terms of 2021 projections 
if they're not going to see the field until you know September first ish, that I understand it. It's a it, it's a small sample size. There's a projection. You know, a nine and five Luis Severino is going to be better than a two and twelve John Lester. Whatever you know, you know, just to put a bad example out there. But it, it these seem like they're off. They just seem like no. they're not prepared yet in terms of these numbers, right? You're right. You're right. And part of I think what you're seeing is um, probably the the common criticism with war that it's it's it is limited in its scope. It's a good it's a good metric to use when measuring, but um, that, that's why certain people live or die by it or completely hate it and don't pay attention to it at all. So yeah, I think um, exactly what you're saying. No, uh, you know, two months of Noah Syndergaard is maybe better than um, you know two months of uh, less than replacement level players. So I, yeah, it's hard to, it's definitely hard to quantify, but I know exactly what you're trying to get at. And um, I, it's kind of, it, it's a lot. I mean, we're literally using projections, but it is a lot of projection to literal projection to assume that those guys are going to have that kind of impact this year. I think it's gotta be because I, I you know, the, one of the reasons that brought me to this in the first place was, I saw a really nice piece on The Athletic about the Blue Jays. Uh, really well done. Uh, kind of encapsulating the offseason moves they make, the, the competitions they're going to have. Because, look, this has got to be one of the more intriguing teams in baseball, whether you follow the sport much or not. This is just going to be a fun team. There's no other way to look at it, um, you know, aside from the fact that they're not going to be able to play in their hometown. But, the you know, I, I they're seventh in terms of their pitching staff. Their starting pitching staff, their rotation is seventh in combined projected war which made me think where are the Yankees and where's the rest of this division? Because this could be one of the best divisions in all of baseball. And if they're seventh, you know, that means the Yankees are much higher and the Rays are probably right about there. But this is where I got to all these teams are going to be playing each other. War doesn't factor that in, right? No, no, it It doesn't. so I have to throw that out right there. That's where I'm done. I'm out on war as a project as a predictive analysis. It, it can't it can't exist in terms of predictions because all of these pitchers are going to be facing all of these other batters in this division. And if you're not comparing the strength of schedule, now there is a place to do that. But if you're not bringing that into the fold, then single singling out, you know, Garrett Cole as the second best war projected pitcher in the league means nothing if if you don't know who he's facing. That's where I get stuck, and that's why I need your help with this. To me, the projected strength of schedule is the first place to start. Is that uh, is that something you can agree on? I think that's – I mean, you have to take that into major consideration when you're analyzing these players 100%. Uh, uh, ALE's pitcher is definitely – you know, just even if he has the same war as a AL central pitcher or a right, national league right. pitcher, it, it's, it's not all the same. So, and that's where I think you can poke holes in war. It's just trying to quantify at the base level. If you removed X player from X lineup, what can you realistically expect to lose in terms of a win value? I mean, and, and that's not a perfect science either. You can't, you know, you can't just say this player equals one win, you know, it, it's, there's so many variables that go into it in terms of their, um, right. You know, I- indirect value that they, that, I mean, war does try and measure all of that. I'm just saying it's, it's not a perfect, 
it's not a perfect um and, and i'm not system. trying to knock it too much because i think in season it does a nice job you know it, it's it's very good as a day-to-day analysis because that's what it is you know it's literally taking matchup production and kind of going from there but predictively I don't think it's the right move. So that's just kind of like a PSA for no, anybody no, for who cares sure. right now. But it, it's not, it's, I don't think it's meant to be a predictive right. measurement and it's quite literally probably better for what you are doing on a day to day basis and trying to figure out the financial side of it. Sure. Who's going to have the big if, year. Yeah, that's exactly. right. Exactly. And if right. this player is worth, you know, is 20 and 85 worth it. If you have to pay the guy 10 million a year, if you can get, 17 and 75 for a guy that is much cheaper. So that, that's what you got to kind of take into, into account. Right. So just to kind of complete the thought, you know, I'm like, I, I start with the war rankings. I, I get to the strength of schedule projections. And here's where that initial Blue Jays rotation that was seventh in the league in terms of, pro, you know, productive combined war falls for me. The Blue Jays have the fifth hardest schedule projective according to fan graphs so the same company that is saying x is also saying y and i that's that's a troubling for me i i would i would that blue jays rotation to me is not strong enough right now to hold up against you know what the rays and many of these al teams you know the angels the yankees are going to be able to throw at them um so just like i said just kind of a public service announcement that these kind of rankings are going to be thrown around on twitter and things like that a lot right now uh, the zips are good because they're mu- they're multi year. There's there's some really good things out there, but you just to simplify it with things like a, like a war projection, it, it's not enough. Maybe it's enough for your fantasy league or for you know initially contract ca- contract projections like what I'm you were saying, Dan. Uh, but if you're thinking about it from a team perspective, I don't think it's the right approach. Um, I'd start with schedule. I t- I'd look at the off season moves. You, you know, maybe you can talk about. You know, well, we lost player X, who was a 1.6 war, but we've gained player, you know, Y, who is projected at a five war. So in that regard, you know, maybe we're 15 to 20 percent better in terms of what we did last year versus this year. I could get on board with that if you're talking about like a percent change. But just looking at a straight list versus a straight projection, a win list, I can't get there. Um, here's the numbers real quick. I just want your quick thoughts and then we'll get you out of here. There are four teams right now according to Fangrass projections that have a better than 10% chance to win the world series. Can you name them? I bet you can. The Dodgers. 20%. The Padres. 11.6. Not because I believe it, but the Yankees. 18.6. Yep. Not, but, um, Last team. Good question. I'm drawing a blank. Um, the Braves. No, it's the Mets. But they're they're oh, slightly wow. over ten. They are four points ahead, percentage points ahead of those Braves. The Yankees, Dan, according to this projection right now, with all the moves in, are twelve points ahead of any other AL team in the league. <laughs> 12 percentage points. I I can't get there. I can't get there on the Yankees. I just don't know. No, I, I totally agree. I How how are I they think, in that division but expected to do this well? You know? Well, and and they kind of just re-signed DJ LeMahieu and thought everything else was going to fall into place. I mean, I could be 
I, I know we've talked a little bit about this offline, but especially when the World Series came, odds came out, it's not even that the Yankees were third or fourth or whatever it was. It was how, like, how low the odds were for, or how yeah. high the odds were for it. That it was almost, it, it, you look around and it's almost like they're get, being given the AL, which is shocking to me. I agree. It's just another year where the Rays make a bunch of questionable moves and nobody believes in them. That's what it's coming down to again. The Rays turn Blake Snell into three able-bodied pitchers who are going to be able to control games and manage games and you know stop runs from scoring. And they don't have the flash and the pomp and circumstance that Blake Snell had. And everybody's just trashing them and bringing them down to a 500 team. We, we all, we're not dumb enough to, to think that's actually going to be the case. The Rays... And the Red Sox are going to compete, and the Blue Jays should be legitimate contenders. You know, out, it, outside of that rotation, which won't last, they're going to need to add a piece of the deadline. But that's that's doable with their prospect farm. So, there's four teams in this division who should be banging on each other all season long, especially if these schedules get twisted and, and sort of compartmentalized because of COVID. It that makes the Yankee situation worse, in my opinion. And oh, by the way. You're talking about Garrett Cole and then Corey Kluber, Severino later, no idea when, and then a huge drop off. What are we talking about here? No, I um, I, I totally agree with this um, with this frame of mind. Yeah, I mean the tie-on deal was the tie-on move was probably the best move they made. Yeah. Kluber is a nice signing if he can bounce back, but you can't rely on that if he's going to be your number three pitcher. So I totally agree. And to, to further add to your point, they're a laughing stock right now, the organization, but I, I just put it just to put it out there. The Orioles are not a doormat anymore from an offensive perspective. They can, they can hit the ball and they play in a hitter's park. So they, my, I, I'm not predicting they're going to be super good or anything this year. All I'm saying is they're, they're not, the easiest win like they were two years ago when, you know, Glaber Torres was hitting 18 home runs in Camden Yards. I mean, they're just not that team anymore. They don't have a lot of pitching, but they can hit the ball. Their offense is pretty young and pretty solid. So just to add to that point, there are, there are, you know, plenty, there are four legitimate teams in that division that chances to make the playoffs, Baltimore Orioles, Dan. uh, It depends on which, um, which projection system you're looking at, but I think it was Pacoda had them at 0%. Yeah, Fangraphs fan, fan hasn't met fan, zero. Sorry, Fangraphs, fan <laughs> that's correct. It's zero. Um, right, so I'm not, I'm not trying – all I'm saying is that division, you know, Pete, last year people looked at the Red Sox pitching, which was atrocious, and their bullpen was terrible, yeah. and, and they look at those teams and just think, you know, that's going to repeat. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think the Orioles' offense is better than people think. I think I know you agree the Red Sox are better than people think. Yes, sir. Um, so I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But yeah, I thought the same thing with the Yankees totals. I just if I was a betting man, I would not be I would not want to lay the money you have to lay to try and make money on the Yankees this year. That's there's, for sure. There's no question. And, and you know, pitching matters almost 60-40 right now in terms of how this game is structured, especially on the marathon that it is. You know, it's not it's just not a, sh- a quick and dirty. If you, if you got, if you can hit home runs for a couple of weeks, you're going to do really well. That's not how this game works. You got to be able to outlast and have depth in your rotation. You know, ESPN has s- some rotation rankings out there that I really like. They, they really took some time on these and they're not quite up to date with the most recent signings, but 
to, to say that the Yankee, that the Yankees are 12 percentage points ahead of any other AL team right now in terms of the long, you know, the, the, the full season, they've got ESPN has the Cleveland Indians rotation sixth in the league. They've got Houston eighth. That's without Verlander. They've got Chicago, the Chicago White Sats ninth. And I think that's too low. I think, I think by July, we're going to be talking about the White Sox rotation as a top five rotation in all of baseball. And I don't think I'd be alone in that thinking. And, you know, we're not even talking about some of the dark horses like Minnesota who could really step it up in Boston, like you mentioned, who should take a big step forward after a, a majorly down year. I just think this is a bit of an NBA discussion where for a lot of years, the, the Western Conference in the NBA, especially when LeBron went there, just dominated. It, it, it was everything. It was the Warriors. It was the Lakers. It was the Rockets. It was the Spurs for a long time. It just dominated not just from a production standpoint, but also from a media standpoint. That's what it feels like right now. It feels like because the Dodgers and the Padres made so many high-profile moves, and the Mets, of course, made so many high-profile moves, that the money and the and the attention is swinging in that direction, and it's just easy to throw a softball or you know, you know put, a, put a ball on a tee for the Yankees and say, yeah, the Yankees are going to do their thing. Don't worry about them. We'll get to them in September when it matters. I just think it's wrong. I think it's flat out wrong. I think there are good teams that have done really nice work this offseason that are getting thrown under the bus a little bit in terms of this offseason attention. And and don't don't be shy in your fantasy leagues, in your gambling, things like that. You and I have talked about this a lot. There's going to be some studs on good teams sitting in the middle of these, of these rankings that are going to pull some big years. I know you agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's... As free agency goes on and some of these guys that should be on teams aren't on teams, they're, they're going to find landing spots and some of them are going to be in pretty good, pretty good situations. So I agree guys that are going overlooked right now, for sure. All right, let's finish on a, on a softball question. Then I'm going to bring you back next week, probably next week, I would say, because you know, we're on a minor league contracts now, pretty much free agency's toast. I mean, there's a couple of names or easy, things like that out there, but for the most part, these rosters are somewhat intact at this point. So I think next week we'll do our official win projected totals and uh, and kind of figure out where, where we think the divisions are going to are going to lie. But just give me one team right now that, you know, either you take it to the to the to the betting table or or, or maybe it's somebody that that just has so much depth that maybe from a fantasy perspective, you're going to have your eye on this single team that maybe they're not being talked about enough right now. So from different perspective, that that's that question can be answered in different ways. Let me put it that way. World series odds. I think anything in the NL is now extremely difficult because of yeah. a, it's a strong league B the Dodgers, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. They've, so uh, they've, they've done well. Any, anything there. I personally am looking at the AL and I sort of teased you earlier and said, I was driving to the casino to put a bet on a team. And I think that's where you're getting at with this. So my team that I bet on was the Houston Astros to oh win the World God. Series. As an Indians fan, you've got to be going out of your mind. And I hate, and I hate <laughs> the team itself, but they are 20, 2,500, 25 to 1 odds on a team. If you look at their roster, yeah, they, re- they really only subtracted George Springer. And Kyle Tucker is essentially you know, a younger version of George Springer, who's not a leadoff hitter, maybe. Right. So you're, you're maybe internally replacing him there and they have, they, maybe they don't have a bona fide ACE, but they have 
five or six very good pitchers who might be top of the rotation guys on any other team in the league. So when you went my, you know, 200 foot view of it, I don't know, man, those odds, I, I know you were joking earlier. You like the Cardinals at, um, what was it? 22 or yeah, right about to the one. same kind of similar situations. I mean, they've had their taste of postseason in, in the past and world series in the past. And, you know, they kind of, you kind of quickly get forgotten about, because the Dodgers did what they did. The Yankees started to get popular again. You're right. These are two teams that are generally in the mix every single year this, this decade. Don't you think? Yeah. And, and, I, and I think I point out the difference between the two. Why I like the Astros better, strictly because of the pitching staff. I mean, yeah. Christian Javier, um, they, uh, Jose Urquidy, yeah. they, they, you know, they have a bunch of guys still. Even... Yeah. Yeah. Even Whitley coming up. I mean, they have a bunch of guys still in the stable. Josh James, arms that people like and are have just kind of soured on it between, you know, the whole cheating scandal. And then last year when, you know, the, the, it was just not a sexy team and people were down on them. No one was talking about them. It just seems like everyone has kind of forgotten about them and a roster loaded with players who have plenty of postseason experience and some who have won a World Series. However, Yep. You know, shady that may have been. I think it's at least worth, you know, I think it's at least worth a dart throw if I'm shopping for a sort of long shot World Series winner. I mean, that that might not classify as a long shot, but I, 25 to one odds. I, you know, there's worse bets out there. I think. It's two things to uh, make you feel better about it. Number one, I think they're getting a nobody believes in us kind of value, and way too undervalued because of the Verlander injury. Yes, he was a stud. He's also really old. <laughs> and and, and the, uh, the idea that he isn't going to decline at some point, probably this year, it, it's, it's just false. It's going to happen. It has to happen. So, you, you know, you're right. They probably have enough depth that they can throw on that mound in terms of starting pitchers to replace what they're going to lose in Justin Verlander um, and also stretch some guys out, which is most important. And two, they lose Springer. He projects to a 3.9 war, whatever that means. The exact same number that Kyle Tucker projects to in 2021. So there you go, Dan. <laughs> exactly. And to, and to add to that also, I mean, the Astros are pretty heavy favorites to win that division. And there's Could really... Could be coasting, yeah. I, right. So do you, do you like the A's or the Rangers in that division better? I mean, the Giants? No, I, I don't... I don't really think any of those teams are trying to take a next step. So under that frame of mind, if they're almost guaranteed a, a you know a division title spot in the playoffs, I like that. Seems pretty good. Good answer, sir. We'll we'll talk to you next week. We'll get real down and dirty with these win totals and uh, try to figure out what we have to do with it. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Okay, my thanks to Mark Cabali, senior athletic writer, covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. Certainly a team to be watching this offseason as things start to ramp up. Cousin Dan, always good to have him back. A little bit different this week, of course, but uh, look, he's a different dude. He, he's kind of looking at things none of us are, so it's always good to get his side of things and understand what stats and what rankings and what websites and things like that we should be checking out right now, especially as the season gets going, and it's here. Spring training is here. My thanks to The Athletic. All of this content can be seen on The Athletic. And visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off that first year. Visit olbg.com, the online betting guide, free NBA pick'em contests, plenty of content, and instruction on becoming a better, better for all of it. For Mark Cabali, cousin Dan. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 